What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Bullpen Card Podcast presented by Thunderblogsports.com. We're calling this one the teaser. It is myself and Jake Goldberg. We talk some Phillies. We talk some Mets. We talk some college football, some gambling, hence the name, the teaser. It's also a short episode, one of our shortest But we wanted to get back in the swing of things before everything gets underway. The pennant chase in baseball, college football, the NFL's around the corner. We get you ready for the Phils, the Mets, and week one in college football. We made it. Labor Day weekend is here. The first slate of college football. We had a lot of fun recording this. Let us know what you think. I do kick off the show with a couple notes about the slight hiatus. I know we had tried to get an episode up as I was on vacation and then work picked up, but we are back. As always, though, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Search for The Bullpen Cart wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Twitter. ThunderBLG is the handle there. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram. But enjoy this episode. Enjoy the weekend of sports ahead. And here we go. Welcome to this week's episode of the Bullpen Card Podcast presented by Thunderblogsports.com. The namesake of the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Joining me for the first time in 2022, I believe. I don't think we had you on in the NFL playoffs. But my friend, the man from up north, Mr. Jake Goldberg, how are you? I'm doing well, G-Man. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's been a couple weeks since we did a show. Um, Last one I did was that solo pod talking about the Phillies. You're obviously a Mets fan. So, you know, it was before all those series, so you can glow it if you want. But was away, so I took a little time off, and then work has been absolutely nuts for me. This is just this is a little inside the podcast for the listeners. So appreciate your patience. I debated bringing back Phillies, uh, or not even Phillies, because I don't think I've ever actually done a Phillies recap, but the recaps that I do for the Flyers games and sometimes the Eagles and the World Series and all that. Debated bringing those back, especially the last two nights in Arizona. The Phillies currently have a one nothing lead in Arizona, but... Let's not hold our breath here, Jake. But we're going to talk a little baseball. We're going to talk a little football. We're calling this the teaser for the fall to come. We're going to try to bring back two shows a week, a baseball and a football show. And because it's the bullpen cart, you know that try is a very loosely used term because we will see if we're successful on that. But, Jake, let's talk some baseball. We got some races heating up. We got the chase for 62 heating up for Aaron Judge. Your Mets have a commanding lead on, or somewhat commanding lead on the East. How are you feeling going into September for baseball? I've learned my lesson from, what was that, 07? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I've learned my lesson. Uh, three games is not a lot. Commanding is uh, very very uh, inaccurate for the Mets. They, I, saw they, the, I saw the seven and a half that the Braves are up on the Phillies. And because uh, Yahoo, when you look at the wild card standings, it doesn't have the, the division ups on it. So I saw, oh, seven and a half and realized I was looking at the Braves over the Phillies, not the Mets 
over the Braves. I had to do some quick math there. So yeah, three and a half games. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm uh, I'm still pretty nervous. Uh, waiting to get into the waiting to get into the playoffs, but I, I mean, the Phillies are starting to heat up. Uh, what they do you make like your chances? Uh, they were, uh, and then the last two nights in Arizona happened. The blown seven run lead game. Fun fact: the Phillies have as many blown seven run blown leads in the last three or four years as they or three. I think it's four seasons dating back to 2019 as they did in the previous 40 years. So uh, that is the current state of Philadelphia Phillies baseball, or at least, you know, the last couple of years. But this year, it does feel different. We've talked about it a little bit on the show. They're 14 games above 500. They just can't play in Phoenix, Arizona. They have lost seven straight games now in the at Chase Field. They can't play well there. They, I don't know if it's the bigger field, they can't, you know, it's one of the biggest fields in baseball. Alec Bohm hit a ball. That would have been a home run in every other stadium in Major League Baseball. I don't know if it's just that they can't do that. There's insert Greg talking about Little League fields and all that bullshit. Um, we had the shittier and Nola start, which were, you know, we're getting September Nola come, coming early, which is tough to, like, really be critical of it because he just came off of a, a complete game shutout. And, you know, a lot of the Philly starting pitchers better at Citizens Bank Park. Than they are on the road, so it's hard there. Then, then last night was just a complete embarrassment of just how bad they played. It was 13 innings between their runs in the fourth inning to a three-run home run from Brandon Marsh's first as a Philly, so good there. But they're in this weird position of there's some guys that are hurt. Nick Castellanos has this turf toe thing going on. You have Sir Anthony Dominguez. Hopefully getting activated soon. I believe he's eligible to be activated on Friday night against the Giants in an Apple TV game, which the Phillies' more more recent record on Apple TV has been better, but their first couple games they got blown out in, so who the hell knows how that game in San Francisco is going to go. And then you have Zach Eflin, who may or may not be coming back. I Again, the end of, of August has been nuts for me for work, so I did not see any of the reports of how that bullpen session went or anything like that today to see how he felt to see if he can come back for September or not. And, you know, it, it's been 11 years since the Phillies made the playoffs. So it, it is one of those things of the same thing you were just talking about. It's a two-and-a-half game lead right now on the Milwaukee Brewers for the last spot now that the Padres have kind of figured their shit out. They're back to being tied with the Phillies currently. If the Phillies win tonight, it'd be a half game up on the Padres, three games up on the Brewers. But there's a lot of of scoreboard watching and seeing how that that's going. And, you know, the the Giants have fallen off quite a bit. They were the other team in contention now. And hilariously, the Diamondbacks are now the, you know, the next team up. But they're ten and a half games out of the Phillies and all that. So it would take a 07 type of run for the either of those teams, the Giants or the D-backs, and a very bad collapse on the Phillies part. Probably not the Padres, but the Padres are there too. So it is one of those things that you just got to be – I'm optimistic and thinking this might be the first year they can get back into it. But, you know, we've seen the Phillies play terrible September baseball. So, I'm you know, I'm not going to hold my breath and, and just think they're going to be in it. I mean, at least they have a, a nice schedule coming up, a nice stretch after they yeah. get out of Arizona. At least they get – you know, at San Francisco is never fun. Uh, but they get Miami, Washington at Miami. So some good chances to uh, to win some series. Yeah, and th- that was the thing, too, of leaving those Mets series of in between them. 
in between the two Mets series, you had the series in Cincinnati. Then the Reds came to Philly. They swept them. You had the Pirates come to town, and the Phillies won two out of three of those games, one of those being that Aaron Nola game I talked about. Um, then just classic Phillies not producing in the final game of a series. We've seen that oh so many times. Um, but they do have – I mean, they get the Braves twice in the last two weeks of the season. I mean, I guess it's two and a half weeks of the season. So that's tough. They finished the year in, at, at playing Houston – so, and at Miami is never really the most fun, at least up until right before the All-Star break. It wasn't the most fun for Phillies fans. So, again, cautiously optimistic that this could be this could be the time to make it. Bryce Harper's playing well and, and came back all the way back after, you know, being hurt and everything. So that's optimistic. You just really need to make sure the bullpen stays steady. You need to make sure the starting pitching looks good. Zach, I didn't even mention Zach Wheeler's hurt, and hopefully he comes back soon. But, you know, he said that he had had tendonitis that had been hurting him there. So just got to be got to be hopeful on how this team can go and see where it goes because, you know, they're playing a lot of road games. And, you know, they're a better team at Citizens Bank Park than they are on the road, even though I think their record – Oh, no, they finally have a better home record than, than an away record. For a little while, their home record was not better than the away record. Do you think there's any sort of advantage playing a, a five-game series and actually being the underdog? What, if they were to win a wild-card series and, and make it they, to the, the – Exactly. The DS. The DS. Yeah, so you and I actually kind of talked about this the other day of kind of where teams can go – through where the playoffs start, right? So if you have to play the wild card series, whether you're the home or the away team, it's a it's a tall ask for an away team because it's all three games away. But you know the positive spin on me for the Phillies fan: if you have to go to Atlanta, you've won a series there. If I mean, if it's the Mets, who the fuck knows? Because they haven't played the Mets well, whether it's at City Field or at Citizens Bank Park. So hopefully it's the Braves. Hopefully you guys hold on. If it ends up being the Cardinals, they've won a series in St. Louis, or they split that actually. But still, you won two of four games there. You won the first two. So to answer your question about the divisional series, say that's Nola, that's or say it's Wheeler, Nola, and I guess the third would be Eflin if he's healthy. But then your third's either going to be in a game three. I don't really trust Kyle Gibson on the mound for that. Um, I guess it'd be Ranger Suarez. I don't think Thor's doing that. So coming into it, coming into a series where the first two games are away. So you'd be the underdog no matter what for both. You're usually the underdog away unless you're the Yankees in LA right now or the Dodgers pretty much wherever they go. You know, you might, you might be more happy with thinking that you can have a game where a Noah Syndergaard, where a Kyle Gibson an Eflin, whomever that may be, goes out there and has kind of a poor start, but not terrible. But you just have to have the bats going, and that's that's kind of the thing that you need to that you need to go. And you'd rather rely on pitching going into the postseason. But there is that sense of say it is the Mets, where the Mets have this incredible regular season record against the Phillies. Now it really is just underdog mentality. The Eagles against the Falcons, the Eagles against the Vikings, the Eagles against the Patriots type of thing. I know you're a Giants fan, so you don't care about that. But that kind of thing, if nobody thinks we're going to do anything, so let's go shock them. So, you know, the Phillies will be underdogs if they make the playoffs, even if it is against the St. Louis or 
you know, somehow if St. Louis screws this up and Milwaukee comes back in the central where the Phillies swept them in Milwaukee, that kind of thing, um, they'd still be underdogs and they would be underdogs in, L- in an LDS as well. And, you know, why not us? That kind of mentality. So there is that. Yeah. I mean, look, nothing to lose, right? They haven't been there in 11 years and they're not expected to win. So no, uh, the Mets are on the other side. This is the, <laughs> this is a year to collapse. I can see it coming. You know, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because you're playing the Dodgers right now. So it's a real litmus test to see where you're, where you're at. They won. They won a Jacob deGrom game where they only scored two runs. So that's got to feel something good against that team that you had that going and you're able to win that game, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a test, but at the end of the day, it's still, still September um, or it's August. (laughs) It's August. I keep thinking we're in September. Just please take me there. Um, I'm ready for some playoff baseball. This last little stretch, because the divisions, you're right, the races are there, but it doesn't exactly feel like uh, the Eastern Conference of the NHL last year. But it's, you know, there, there's not eight teams vying. It's three team or four teams vying for three spots or five teams vying for three spots for some playoff baseball. I really wish we were closer to the end of September. No, I totally agree with you. And it is one of those things of the Yankees are up six and a half games in their division. I know they've had their weird stretches, but they've, they're finally on the right side of a last 10 record of six and four. And, you know, the the Central is heating up. It's, you know, only a game with the the Guardians and the the Twins. So that's something to be to talk about there. But then in the West, it's Houston, you know, by a mile. And in the the NL West it's the Dodgers by a mile so it is one of those things of like we'll have a couple exciting series and you know things will get a little tighter whether that's Mets Braves whether it's this Phillies Padres for who gets to play the Mets Braves loser and and see how that goes or even just the wild card with the Brewers you can't really count them out because their pitching has been has been pretty good and some have been really good and their offense has been all over the board which is weird to say because they're not that far behind some teams, but their offense is just this weird Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing with it. They've scored more runs than the Padres with that super lineup, and it's weird to look at with them. But you're exactly right of this expanded playoff format. We get so many, we get so much more playoff baseball, and it's like the Phillies have never been a wild card team, and I don't think the Mets have, or no, the Mets have the Mets been a wild card team. So, so, like, I don't have the experience of the wild card game. So, seeing a wild card series is going to be, you know, the, the, even two years ago with the weird COVID year of, like, those were still fun, even though they were kind of these weird three-game sets. And, I don't know, it's going to be exciting because playoff baseball with the fans there and having a full series, a do-or-die, you know, game two where one team has their back against the wall and seeing how they react versus another team reacting with game two or being up one nothing, And then it God forbid a game three and see how that goes. And it is going to be really fun. And especially like, you know, we, we talked about at the top of we're going to try to do these two shows a week thing and see where, where that all is, but football's back and baseball kind of being on, not on the back burner because we do have exciting stories. We have the Aaron judge race. We have, you know, you know, all these different storylines. That's probably the biggest one on a player one, but, seeing what ends up happening there and seeing, you know, how everything goes. 
Like there is going to be some, there's going to be some to talk about there, but it's going to be tough to compete with football. And until the playoffs start, you kind of, you kind of just have to, you know, keep an eye on baseball. I'm going to watch, you know, every Phillies game, but it's going to be tough of having to do dual screens with the Eagles on and other football games. And same thing with college football and Thursday night football. I mean, you know, there's fantasy impl- implications, all that kind of stuff. But you're right. October, you get playoff baseball. Despite what we might want from the Flyers, the NHL will be back. The Sixers will be back eventually. So, yeah, let's get to playoff baseball. Let's, but let's, you know, again with the Phillies, let's, you know, let's not take the let's not take the foot off the gas here. Let's just keep fucking pushing. I like that. I like that a lot. Easier said than done. Yes. So what are you what are you looking for? Um, where do you want to start for the football side? Do you want to start with this uh, this weekend games, or you just want to give your your overall Eagles uh, why they're going to be so much better than the Giants? You want to give that perspective because <laughs> I, I can give that pretty easily. Yeah, I think I have not confirmed it with Matt of our NFL preview, so I'll give my Eagles thoughts of you know they've added some players, they got rid of some players, Jalen Rager finally off the team, they traded him to the Vikings, which. I don't know what he'll end up doing for him, but it's hysterical because of the image of the Vikings laughing at the Eagles not drafting Justin Jefferson and taking Jalen yep. Rager, and now he's there, and the Eagles got draft picks for it. Um, they've bolstered their defense all over the place with just subtle little trades here, here and there. Their defense hopefully ends up being pretty good, and that's the side of the ball that they you know, build off of. But the thing that it always comes back to me, and I've – said this to people since they traded for AJ Brown is we're really going to learn what Jalen hurts has. And and they have the insurance policy of they have the saints first round pick and they have all of that. But you know, really like until we see what we, what we got out of this in real games, which we have to wait, you know, now 11 days until the first game, but you know, it's going to be something of, of until I see that and, a year ago, the first game against the Falcons, he, he looked pretty good, and Devontae Smith had a touchdown and all that stuff. But we need to see what that looks like. So I'm, you know, I'm optimistic about the Eagles. I think they'll make the playoffs again and, and maybe have a better showing in the playoffs. But you know, we we need to see what that looks like. We need to see what the running game looks like with what you know is Miles Sanders going to be at 100 percent by the time we get there. You know, how much more is Kenneth Gainwell going to play? So defensively, I feel really good about it. But offensively, it, it's basically this wait and see game. You know, and they're going to, you know, to give the Giants credit, the Eagles are usually good for dropping a divisional game. They should win by a mile. And it's usually against the Giants when the Giants stink. And then it's the reverse when the Giants are supposed to be really good. And the Eagles somehow squeak out a game and they're supposed to be really bad. So, you know, you have that to look forward to. Yeah. I mean, you saw it a couple of years ago when the Giants actually lost a, a pretty good draft position for that. So and they probably hey. should have won both games, but Daniel Jones, uh, <laughs> he tripped over the what 20 yard line yep yeah. oh no i think it was closer than that i think it yeah. was like the 10 or the five like he was he was close that was that was tough that was a weird game <laughs> gone yeah uh, i think it's gonna be a tough year for for giant fans it's gonna be tough we don't have any receivers um this is just a showcase for saquon i i'm not sure what else there's not there's not much to look forward to other than the divisional games yeah, I mean, you know, it's a decent draft class coming out next year. You can figure out what you want to do if you want a new quarterback and figure it out with Daniel Jones or whatever you want to do. But you you at least have that to look forward to. There is that aspect. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to next April already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, at least, you know, the Giants are a pretty good organization. I don't think you're going to turn – this isn't going to turn into some sort of Jacksonville Jaguars or Cleveland Browns type of situation. God, I hope not. But you mentioned it. College yeah. football. We had some games last week. I admittedly, I did not watch any of them. I saw highlights. I had a golf tournament all weekend, so I was doing that and didn't really watch any football. But we get the full slate. Labor Day weekend, there's nothing better than throwing on some college football, getting and playing golf Saturday morning, literally sitting down after a round of golf, crack open a beer, and throw on the games. I'm not – I will miss the first college game day, which – Sounds like it's kind of good to miss it because Jack Harlow is the who has zero connection to either team to Ohio State or Notre Dame is the guest picker and he's going to perform and that just seems weird. But we have a good slate in the first week. It's not just some sort of you know a couple marquee games here. We have we have some pretty good ones to look at. Yeah, I mean, I'm ready for Thursday. I'm ready for tomorrow. I'm ready for Thursday, Friday. There's some CFL games on Friday as well. Oh. But I mean. You got to look at the um, Saturday afternoon, exactly what you said. Get around to golf in around 9, 10 a.m., come home and watch the watch Oregon, Georgia, just to kick it off. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. We're going to get a really good idea of what Oregon and what the Pac-12 have to do after so many storylines that we haven't really even talked about on the podcast because we haven't talked football since the Super Bowl. But, you know, what the Pac-12 is bringing and, and – can Oregon do it? Is it going to be Utah? Like, we're going to get a really good idea. And it's also kind of the sneaky best part of week one of just the huge panics. You saw it all with the discourse from the Nebraska loss and all that shit. And, you know, we're, we're going to get a really good idea of this. Oregon's played SEC teams in the first week. And we've kind of seen, you know, we've seen some great performances from them. We've seen some bad ones. And it, you're right. It's This is going to be a really good game. Georgia's a 17-point favorite, which, you know, I see why. Georgia's defending national champions. They're returning a lot of starters from last year. And over 53 seems low for an Oregon team, but it seems high for an SEC team. But I don't know. It's going to be, re- it's, it's going to be really exciting. You have Cincinnati coming off their playoff appearance at the same time going down to Arkansas. That Arkansas team that was the darlings of last September – that's another one to look forward to. And then we, you know, I do want to take a step back because you mentioned tomorrow night, Thursday night. So tonight for the listeners, listen to this on the day it drops. But the backyard brawl, West Virginia pit. Finally back. It's finally back. That is so exciting because you would have, we had some friends from Lehigh who were from West Virginia and as uh, you went to the Lee Lafayette game, game last year, as much as we say fuck Lafayette, these, the one, the girl went to Lehigh, the woman, they're married now, so, and she's a mom, so she's a woman. Um, that's Jordy talking gender politics. Um, but uh, her husband did not go to Lehigh, but both of them, as much as we all would say fuck Lafayette, fuck Pitt was a, just the, it's like being just, under the hood of that for as like, you know, a degree away is so cool. And to have that back, have it as technically the marquee game. I know there's other games tomorrow night. So you, you get a little three peat of, of ranked teams out there and there's some other games too, but to have that on ESPN classic big East rivalry 
is so exciting to see. Yeah, it's it's shocking that it hasn't like this is this is a rivalry for the ages, and the fact that they haven't played, uh, they haven't played in what years, right? I think since, I think since Pitt, well, I guess they left the, the Big, Big East. East at the same time. Yeah, I'm trying to think because the, yeah, it was the same time. So they announced Pitt leaving, and then the Big East died, and West Virginia ended up. They, I think they did. They start in the American, and then then went to the Big Twelve. Or did they go right to the Big 12? I think they went right to the Big 12. Yeah. So, you know, there's all, you know, all the implications there of, you know, the fall, the fallout of the Big East, which for those that are not familiar with it, go watch Requiem for the Big East, the 30 for 30. One of my favorites. It's really good. We talked about it on this podcast before. A really good episode or really good, I guess, episode, really good doc. But um, yeah, the fact that it's taken, you know, that was 10 years ago, 10 years ago this season. It was probably the last game, and, and we can easily look this up, but I'm too lazy to. But you're right. It's such like a – it's a game that you, like, think about because they used to play it, what, the day after Thanksgiving was the Backyard Brawl? And it was one of those games that you knew, like, the Egg Bowl was going on. You knew Bedlam was around the corner of the Iron Bowl. But there was something about this because there is, you know, something to the different regions of, you know, college football and what – that Rust Belt type game meant. And obviously Michigan, Ohio State is right there too. But, you know, th- that game was literally just knock down, drag them out football. And to get this back and two different teams that are in very different states now. Pitt obviously winning the ACC last year. West, West Virginia never totally establishing themselves in the Big 12. I think that's not unfair to say. But, you know, to see where they can go is, you know, it, this is going to be a really fun game, but we can get back to the rest of the Saturday slate. I just wanted to wanted to highlight that game because that is one I'm very much looking forward to tomorrow and that I'm going to a game on Friday, FCS, Lehigh, at Villanova. But to have a full weekend of football, it's finally back, and it's so exciting. Oh, oh, how long have we waited for this? I mean, perfect. yeah, it is perfect. And it's always crazy, too, because the College Football National Championship is like, what, the second week in January? And it's right. It's now right after the the, or no, it's right after week seven or week eighteen. Now it used to be after the wild card weekend because the NFL goes later. It's right after right after that, right? So like, yeah, it's been. I mean, literally, like we've gone through so much other professional football to have college back. And like, I love the NFL. We were just talking about the Eagles and Giants, and like, you and I literally our friendship has been based off of commiserating over the flyers and giving a sh- giving each other shit about the New York Philly teams. But like college football, there's something to it of there's all this different stuff going on. There's so many teams and, you know, and you can say what you will about where college football has been with the college football playoff and where it could go with NIL and all this different shit, but, like having so many different teams, all these different storylines and the way that it builds up in that way. You know, there, there is something romantic to it and having it back and having just a full day of games. You watch some random fucking game. I remember one year I was at some bar in Philadelphia watching. There was some good game on and then having like Oregon versus versus like Portland State on. And it still is like you're just happy the football's back. It's like opening day in baseball. There's so many games going on. 
you want to watch everything and there's just a sense of renewal and it's ironic because it's labor day it's the end of the summer but it's just so great yeah i mean as soon as you uh Labor Day rolls around. It's kind of weird that Nebraska game. It was a weird game to watch. I know you said you didn't watch it, but to have it before Labor Day, uh, to put it in Ireland, and then for Nebraska, I guess it's pretty usual for them to do what they did and blow that game. Um, But this is really week one. They're really calling that week zero. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's like when the and I'm glad they just immediately called it week zero instead of like the first couple years they did the first four in the NCAA tournament for basketball. And they're like, oh, this is the first round. No, it's not. These are playing games. And they finally changed it back. Yeah, that that, that always pissed me off. But yeah, finally. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Number, number two beats number – or number 15 beats number two in the second round. No, 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 no <laughs> it's the first round. Lehigh beat Duke in their first round game. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, still going to go down. It wasn't the second round. It was not the second round. They lost in the second round to Xavier because they had a corn-fed Midwestern boy who played like five minutes a game before that score like 35 points. And I'm not making that up. I'm hey, probably wrong think- on the exact numbers, but it's something similar to that. That guy, they figured out, put the big man in the middle, and you got it. But we, we're running out of time here. We mentioned this is the teaser. But we got to talk. We mentioned the college game day being in Columbus – Notre Dame, Ohio State. Ohio State is 17-point favorite in a top-five game, <laughs> which is not that's a good insane. look for for Notre Dame. No, that's that's got to be a little bit. That's, that line has actually moved a ton, I believe, from 14 to 17. Saw that was one of the biggest swings. Um, I mean, that's I don't think that's good for, for college football in general. Uh, though we always see it, right? You always see number one, you know, Alabama play number seven and it's 20 point, uh, 20 point spread. I mean, I got to believe, I know I got this wrong last year and Matt got it right, but I got to believe that Notre Dame's going to cover 17 points. You would think so. I think part of it is Ohio State, I think, has a lot of money on it for the national championship. So I think those betters are probably going heavy into this game and probably when they saw just two touchdowns, not 14 and a half, just two touchdowns, that that's probably a good number to buy into because you could have a weird, you know, field goal here or there in the first half. The over's not, it's only 59, at least what I have right here. Again, Yahoo, sometimes not always up to date, and I don't want to pull up the sports book, but um, 59, not a 17-point spread. You're really thinking that the Notre Dames that we've seen in the college football playoff and all that kind of stuff, like they're thinking those types of that type of game is coming out here. And you got to think like you always hear bulletin board material and, and all that kind of stuff. Like this is prime bulletin board material for Notre Dame. And you have a new coach. You have, you know, different players coming in. Everybody's got something to prove there. And I feel like 17 again without the half is kind of an interesting number. I don't know if I would take Notre Dame 17. If 17 and a half, that adds in that extra layer. 17, you almost have to hope for like an extra an extra point miss or something in there to like really throw off the numbers because this is something of like you might have people buying alternate spreads that also that also could move the move the line here. Of people that really think Ohio State could blow them out, and that might be part of what it is. Again, actually, Yahoo does do the distribution of money. Hopefully, that's still free. 
they've really uh, they've really monetized a lot of the insider information on Yahoo Sports, but still better than ESPN. Anyway, um, I pulled up the game. Yeah, they don't have the they don't have the distribution of money here, but um, are they my stats? Odds? Yeah, odds might have it. Let's see. Odds. Um, no, they don't have it. Damn it. Yeah, because they, they might have gone alternate spreads, and that probably pushed it. What's surprising, though, is that there, is, there isn't the swing the other way with Notre Dame and their large fan base to so seeing where they could potentially be. This also is just a huge litmus of where we are in terms of college football, right? Of, like, we mentioned of Utah, of Oregon. Can they make some noise? Can we get some noise out of the Big 12? And this might really change some minds off of Notre Dame. Then this just becomes a run of, can we get an upset? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, look, Ohio State can definitely do that. And I, but I think the game of the week, and I know we're not doing picks, but I'm going to put this on the record right now. Everybody's touting uh, Utah. Oh, I yeah, think I, I, I want to mention that. Yeah, they they should. I might buy half. And as good as they probably should have been, you know, obviously they had some you know some weird moments in the season. They had some big wins, but if they're going to be that good again. And potentially be a playoff team. There's some guys that had him in there. There's obviously the weird Desmond Howard picks that he had. But if Utah's going to try to make some noise in the college football playoff, I totally think they absolutely cover this spread. I like it even lower than 51.5 for the total. I think this could be like a you know 28-21 game. That gets us to, what, 49 points? I mean, I could see, even see it be lower. Notre Dame – or not Notre Dame. I'm still on that. Uh, Florida – Normally known for decent defense, especially at the Swamp. And Utah, a fairly stout team. So I would think both of those teams are going to want to come out pounding on the defensive side of the ball. Offensives might be wanting to prove something. But, yeah, that that game is going to be really exciting. And that's one. It's interesting. They're both on ESPN or on the ESPN family of networks. Utah, Florida on ESPN and Notre Dame, Ohio State on ES, on ABC. So a little, little channel flipping there. But. Just what a run of games we have. We even get some ACC games in here. It's going to be fun. Oh, it's just a great start. And you know what? There's a lot of games, but there's not too many. You know that first day of college basketball, you literally can't can't track them all. Like, this is enough. It's a good slate um, and good matchups, too. I know you mentioned the Cincinnati going to Arkansas. I mean, like, that's, that's pretty cool. That's going to be a good one. Utah, Florida. Um, I mean, we don't really need to see Alabama crush Utah State. No, we don't need that. But we only got a minute left. So, Jake, any last thoughts? And I'll wrap this thing up. Any last thoughts? I am excited for football, and I absolutely love this sport. I do, too. I'm so excited for football to be back. And, yeah, I mean, wherever you're going to be watching, we didn't – no, we did mention Cincinnati, Arkansas. But – this is going to be a fun weekend. I'm excited for this all to be back. Jake, we'll have you on, obviously, as guest picker, maybe as guest host, depending on what Matt's schedule is like. So thank you for hopping on. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And we're going to need more than 40 minutes the next time I'm on to talk oh, yeah. about the Flyers. <laughs> I love it. We're going to absolutely need that. But everybody go subscribe to the podcast, Bullpen Cart, wherever you get your pods. For Jake Goldberg, I am the G-Man. Have a great weekend, everybody. And go football.